Chapter Zero of Jacob Brentford's Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jacob Brentford's Testament by Robert Copeland. Chapter Zero. Forwards. In hunting up Captain Cox's books lately to give an account of each of them in my edition of Lanahan's letter, fifteen seventy-five for the Ballad Society, and thus get a notion of the literature on which a reading middle-class man of Elizabeth's time was brought up. I came across Julian of Brainford's testament for the first time, hearing that there was only one copy extant of the eight leaves of each of the only two editions known. I asked Mr. G. Parker of Bodleian to transcribe the copy there for me, and as it proved to be worthy of preservation, I resolved to reprint it privately with another tract of like subject, The Will of the Devil, which I had seen in Lambeth Library two years ago when looking for manuscripts and books about the condition of England in Henry the Eighth's reign, and had then put down for reprinting in the early English text society's list, but had since thought of withdrawing in order to avoid possible annoyance to the society from any cantankerous Puritan like the one who bothered me about the Percy Folio loose and humorous songs. Both tracts are of value as illustrating the manners and tone of the classes they treat of in Tudor days, and I have no notion of leaving them to be seen only by those who can spare time and money for visits to Lambeth and Oxford for that purpose. None of us students of English antiquity are beasts or fools enough to want to possess such tracts because they contain a few coarse words. We want the whole of the get-at-able evidence, whatever it may be, on the social condition of Tudor England on our shelves, so that we may judge of it for ourselves. Moreover, Jillip Brentford is by Robert Copeland, the one of the poet-printers of Henry the Eighth's time to whom we are most indebted, and who has left us the most valuable picture I know of the beggars and thriftless class of his day in his highway to the spittle house which i recommend everyone to read in the reprint of mr w c hazlitt's remains of the early popular poetry of england eighteen sixty six volume four page seventeen his highway was another of captain cox's books and i have given an account of it in my forewords to lanahan's letter we owe besides to robert copeland the amusing Complaint of Them That Been Too Late Married, printed by Winken de Word, an invocation, and perhaps all the metrical translations in The Passion of Our Lord, Winken de Word, 1532, The History of Helios, Knight of the Swan, translated out of French into English by Robert Copeland, at the instigation of ye puissant and illustrious prince, ye lord, Edward, Duke of Buckingham, Earl of Hereford, Stafford, and of Northampton. Winken de Word, 6 February, 1512-13. The Life of Epomidon, said to be printed by Winken de Word. King Apollyon of Tyre, a translation from the French with an original prologue, Winken de Word, 1510. The Rudder of the Sea, with the havens, roads, soundings, kennings, winds, floods, and ebbs, dangers and coasts of diverse regions etc london fifteen twenty eight a translation 
an address before and an envoy in verse after a prose tract the spectacle of lovers hereafter followeth a little contriver's dialogue between love and counsel with many goodly arguments of good women and bad very compendious to all estates newly compiled by william walter servant unto sir henry marnay knight chancellor of the duchy of lancaster w de word a copy in mr s christie miller's library at Britwell, an address in verse by robert copeland bookprinter to newfanglers in four eight-line stanzas prefixed to chaucer's assembly of fowls fifteen thirty and at the end an envoy of three more stanzas also another envoy to wink at the words edition of the castle of pleasure a poem by william neville son of lord latimer he also contributed the petition and envoy to the mirror of the church fifteen twenty one and he has verses before the secrets of aristotle fifteen twenty eight also says mr hazlitt early popular poetry four three seventy one on the last leaf of the introductory to write and pronounce french by alexander barclay imprinted at london in the fleet street at the sign of the rose garland by robert copeland the year of our lord fifteen twenty one ye twenty-second day of march is here followeth the manner of dancing of base dances after the use of france and other places translated out of french into english by robert copeland this is reprinted in a note to my edition of captain cox or lanahan's letter ballad society eighteen seventy one the secret of secrets of aristotle translated out of french and imprinted by r c fifteen twenty eight quarto with the translator r copeland's envoy in verse the manner to live well etc printed by r c fifteen forty quarto and translated probably by himself out of french see dipton three one twenty one twenty four the art of memory translated out of french into english by rob copeland london by w middleton duodecimo of the will of the devil i can find no notice bibliographical or other but am told that mr j p collier has reprinted a later edition of it in one of his series and as usual without saying where his original is it is a sharp and coarse satire against certain classes of the society of its time and is reprinted from the copy in the lambeth library for testaments more or less like the present one see colin blobel's testament printed in mr hallowell's new guy poetici eighteen forty four and hazlitt's early popular poetry one ninety one dunbar's testament of andrew kennedy fifteen o eight and in works editor wang will buck his testament by john lacey printed by w copeland no date quarto reprinted by hazelwood and in literature of the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries illustrated eighteen fifty one the will and testament of the hare printed i think in the english gesta romanorum the last will and testament of dan bartholomew of bath printed in gascoigne's poses fifteen seventy five quarto roxborough library eighteen seventy early popular poetry one ninety one the talk of ten wives on their husbands wear was first brought into public notice by sir f madden 
in his account of the contents of the Porkingham Manuscript Number 10, in his Sir Gowan, or the Banneton Club. He called it an amusing but indelicate story. Mr. Hallowell also quoted several passages from it in his Dictionary of Archaic and Provincial Words. It illustrates those old-time women of Britain, of whom Chaucer's wife of Bath and Dunbar's widow are the types, and justifies those poets' sketches. The Ten Wives' Talk is, we may be sure, no libel on what went on at those frequent sittings at the ale in which women formerly indulged. A near relative of mine a few years since was greatly astonished to see a like question to that discussed by the wives experimentally settled on some clean plates or a bet by a party of Welsh farmers after a market dinner at an inn on the borders. A few other pieces of like character that have come across me in my manuscript work are added. In the Jill tract, the black letter I is printed I or J, according to modern usage. Agam, September 2nd, 1870. End of chapter 0